Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yankees and Mets. The Bats, well, struggling a little bit. Um, the Yankees win a must-win game on Sunday. The Mets... Maybe they overlooked the Washington Nationals a little bit and lose a series to the Nets. To talk about the state of the Yankees and the Mets, we bring in David Lennon from Newsday, baseball columnist. Hey, Dave, how are you? Hey, Lori. It's quite a state to be in, I guess, huh? <laughs> with these two teams right now. So it's, it's, uh, it's making for an interesting September, to say the least. It, it is. You know, we're going to... Break down both teams, but I, I noticed, I think, up on Newsday, and I think you wrote a column about um, taking a look back at the trade deadline and with a little perspective now, how did teams do at the trade deadline? And I want to start with the Yankees. Did the Yankees essentially fail the trade deadline? Uh, I would say so, given that they have the, I think it was the second worst record in the AL since the trade deadline uh, and their trade acquisitions are basically either arrived broken or have since broken. (laughs) So, I mean, it's been a disaster for them. I mean, I guess Frankie Montes, you know, had a decent day today, you know, with the five inning performance, which is something they desperately needed. Uh, But, you know, the news with Benintendi today with the, uh, with the fractured hammock bone, and now he's going to be out for the the season, it looks like. I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, this was a guy that, you know, before the trip had seemed to be coming around a little bit. You know, then everybody on the trip went flat except for Judge. Uh, but Benintendi was really a guy they were, they were still counting, counting on to be a spark uh, and helpful in the outfield as well, and, and that's a mess. You already have Scott Efros on the IL with the shoulder strain. That they're not sure when he's going to be back yet. Um, and they also have uh, Harrison Bader, who's, right. you know, trying to be back at some point in September. You know, there is no definitive date on that. Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, for what they were trying to do uh, at this deadline, it looked good on paper uh, since it has been a mess and the team has really, you know, been in a tailspin ever since. Yeah, and with I, I obviously you are not a physician. I'm aware of that, mm-hmm. um, and neither am I. However, the you've been around players and baseball enough that that broken hamate bone, and if it does require surgery, um, typically that injury. I know the Yankees are saying that they're waiting, you know, and and hoping 
to find out it, that maybe he can make it back before the end of the season. Um, I, I think Aaron Boone playing, you know, maybe before the end of the regular season, but may, that, you know, or whether that was the postseason. In your experience in covering players, is this usually a, you know, what is it? Usually, I don't know, four to six week injury? Yeah, I mean, anything involving a bone that has to heal, you know, typically is. It's tough to rush that. Right. You know, I mean, it, it just is just a specified amount of time that bone needs to to mend, you know. And if you have surgery on it to, to take that piece off or whatever they need to do yeah. with it, you know, I don't know what the procedures they have to do exactly. But, you know, that's in a very difficult spot, obviously, for hitting, yeah. you know, to do anything. I mean, your wrist. Is is everything, and not just in baseball, just about any sport you want to play, but specifically in trying to hit. You know, it's just in a very difficult spot to be effective again. So, it, it's tough to kind of fake it. You know, it's tough to kind of bandage it up, or wrap it up, or do something to it to try to play through. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, ultimately he's going to need some kind of surgical procedure to fix that. You know, listening to hear him talk about it too, I think he realizes kind of the the spot he's in with it. Um, we, we heard Aaron Boone in the last week, um, you know, he's trying everything, whether that's getting himself thrown out of a game, banging on a table, all different sorts of things. But he also said something over the last few days where he talked about how the outside noise and the negativity that's swirling around his club as they have become with this collapse the, from a 15-and-a-half game lead to um, what was actually, you know, going into today was a four-game lead. Um, right. He said that that, he thought, was actually getting to his club. And how does Aaron Boone, I'm contrasting a little, I, you know, obviously the Mets are not in a swoon. They just, their bats are, are, are asleep at the moment. But I'm contrasting and watching Buck Showalter and watching Aaron Boone and, how does Aaron Boone find a way to inspire, um, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously these players are all trying, but um, confidence in his club. Well, I mean, that's an astonishing admission, first of all, Lloyd, yeah. to say that, the, you know, that the outside noise is, you know, could be getting to your team. I mean, that's, I, I've never really heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just something that, that's just a place you just don't go to. Uh, and another thing that he said that really kind of shocked me, too, was yesterday when he said, oh, yeah, you know, if we do collapse, you know, you'll have a great story to write. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. I mean, I, again, you just don't go to those places. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, Aaron, had felt like he was just, you know, he was being criticized for saying the same thing over and over and over again. And he is kind of a relentlessly positive guy. And you don't hear a lot of negative stuff or criticism that he'll make of his own players, of his own team. And that's not unusual for a manager in this day and age, obviously. You know, but for him to take the other tack, you know, and and say that, you know, especially for a Yankee team with as much attention that they get, you know, for for that seeping in, you know, I I just I'm not really quite sure what his motivation was for that. You know, players never say anything along those lines you know they'll that they, they go to great lengths to say you know things outside this clubhouse don't bother us or we can't pay attention to those things you know whether that's true or not <laughs> that's open for some debate i mean these guys are all on twitter or instagram or whatever social media 
thing of your choice, you know, much to their de- detriment probably most times. Um, and it's human nature, you know, and it, it's tough when you're going through a stretch like that, you know, and I've talked to guys, I mean, I remember talking to Lindor not too long ago where when things are going bad and when, you, when you're not in, an, when you're in 0 for 15 slump or something, it feels like you'll never get a hit again. You know, you just have to kind of rely on your past confidence and past experience that, yes, you will pull out of this. But when the schedule starts getting shorter, you know, and, and you're looking at the dwindling number of games, your opportunity to turn things around shrinks a lot. And that's the problem you run into once you get into September. And that's why you start seeing, you know, collapses of this magnitude don't happen a lot, but you can see teams you know, go into a bit of a shell and, you know, have a hard time of it just because the walls can feel like they're closing in a little. Talking to Dave Lennon from Newsday about the Yankees and the Mets and the state of New York baseball. And you mentioned Lindor, and there's a perfect example where, whether the players want to admit it or not, but the negative noise, I mean, it was obvious last season and the thumbs down and all that, a reaction right. to that negative noise. So we know they're human. We know it happens, but you're right. Quite surprising. It's it's one thing when you see the players thinking they have an inside joke on it, versus, which is also you know, made, that was a really bad idea. You know, the fans on some level are undefeated, so it's not a good idea to take them on. But, right. um but to uh, to have the manager admit it was really, uh, I thought, um, uh, surprising. And so contrast that, you know, you've obviously, you've covered both um, teams. You were a beat writer for both. Now you're a columnist covering both. And Buck Showalter and, you know, the Mets, very disappointing to lose a series to the Washington Nationals. And the bats are sleeping at the moment. Contrast what you're hearing and seeing from Buck Showalter versus, you know, what you are seeing from Aaron Boone. I mean, there is, you know, I think the Yankees have been under duress for quite a longer period, you know, that they had a a big lead that they've let, you know, kind of fritter away. And their their nosedive has been much more pronounced than the Mets have been, you know. And and the other difference the Mm Mets, and what the Mets have also had, that the Yankees are fortunate not to have is the Braves behind them. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, that the pressures for the Mets have kind of had a little less to do with their own implosion and just a little more, well, a lot more actually with the way the Braves have played. Absolutely. And and that, and that's really put a lot of pressure on it. So you can't say the Mets have been going through a, a similar thing. Now, what they have looked at that's been similar is a dwindling lead. And I, I think when that happens, that's where the similarities get to. And Buck today, you know, and I asked him point blank, I said, hey, listen, you know, it, we're getting to a point of the year where, you know, a slump isn't necessarily just a slump. You know, it can be the product of other things. It could be the product of hearing footsteps. It can be the product of not having any space to breathe. It's understandable for teams to go through a tough time. I mean, the, the stretch they're on right now, I think they're 12 and 11 I was looking at since August 10th when they had a seven-game lead, they've gone 12-11 and 11 and lost six games in the standings. That's a <laughs> lot for just going 12-11, and 11, you know, mm-hmm. because, because that's not that bad. I mean, you're still one game over 500. The problem is the Braves have been on the other side going 18-5. and five. Right. And, and, and that's the pressure that they're feeling right now. And Buck said, you know, he kind of defaulted to kind of a, a, a familiar stance and just to listen, you know, it's about us which I also heard Aaron Boone say a number of times. 
And he said, listen, you know, my guys are, are willing to embrace that fact that, that we're the ones in control of things here. And we're not going to worry about teams, you know, chasing us. We're just going to go out and do our thing. And that's, you know, that's typical, you know, manager steer the course type of thing. And, you know, as you go over time, if we see this go on longer with the Mets, then, you know, I, I think Buck is going to face a little more of what Aaron's faced uh, to this degree. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Buck has been through this quite a bit. He has a heck of a lot more experience doing this than Aaron Boone does. So, And he's been through these type of things before. So I think Buck is going to have a much more steadying hand. And you just have to wonder, you know, when you have a clubhouse of guys that haven't really faced, you know, this type of heat. I mean, the Mets fell out of it much earlier last year. And, and couldn't rebound. They kind of dropped like a rock after the Braves caught them. Um, and if you want to go back to 07 and 08, you know, that's quite a ways back. So we're beyond the reach of those ghosts, you would think, in this clubhouse. But there are, there are seasons you're going to start hearing a lot more of uh, if this stuff starts – if this keeps continuing. Well, that leads me to um, one, of, uh, one of my followers on Twitter, Ross, um, wanted to ask the question um, of you, which is, what signs are there to warrant the notion that this Mets team is different than teams in the past? Well, I mean, what they've come into is, I, you know, I think they do have a very balanced team. Um, I think they have a very experienced manager. If you looked in 07, Willie Randolph was still extremely new at this. Uh, if you looked at 08, Jerry Manuel had experience, obviously, before taking over for Willie. Uh, but not to the degree of a Buck Showalter. Um, I, I think the manager is going to make a is going to make a big difference here and a steadying influence uh, guiding this team. We talk a lot about how managers are less and less of a factor these days with front offices running the show, but I think in this case, I, I think Buck is going to be a, a big help. Um, but as far as the, the other parts of the team. You know, when I came into the clubhouse after today's loss, you know, I saw a lot of the same signs that you see in any kind of team that, you know, was kind of struggling to kind of get back on track. You know, it was pretty quiet. A couple guys sitting together just kind of going over what had happened in the game. Some guys just kind of sitting at their locker staring into their phone. You know, they were kind of waiting around for the, for the plane to Pittsburgh this afternoon. So, you know, I think this weekend, you know, left a little bit of a mark. You know, they were coming off of a high against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to kind of fight tooth and nail, you know, to win Friday night's game. Uh, and then they get beat by Corbin and Fetty in back-to-back games, you know, and really did nothing offensively. Um, and I, I think that came as a bit of a shock. And, and Buck was asked afterwards and said, hey, are you seeing anything different offensively? And he's like, you know, I am a little, you know, we're hitting the ball in the air a lot more. I think in these past two games, if you watch them closely, you saw some guys swinging two and zero, real hitters pitches, and just missing them. You know, I mean, it's, it, and it's, when, you know, when things start to go bad and you're having a tough time, and one bad weekend isn't going to end anybody's season, but you do squeeze the bat a little bit tighter. You know, that the pressure's there. The Braves have made up a lot of ground, and the Braves are a very, very good team. You know, they they took care of business this weekend to put some heat on the Mets. So the way things are shaping up right now, I think we're looking at that, the series in the last week of the season, I think it's September 30th to October 2nd at Truist Park. Yep. You know, that, that's, that's the, the vision could come right down to that in that final week. That's how it looks right now. 
Yeah, that second to last se- uh, series of the season. And other thing that's interesting there is that the if the Mets win one of those three games, don't get swept, then even if these two teams do finish tied, the uh, with this season's new tie-breaking rules, um, obviously, you know, the team with the better head-to-head would get the division. So that's another thing that will eventually uh, potentially come into play. Um, yeah. One other question from a Met fan on Twitter who wants to know, if you look at a lineup that, look, the Mets did just take a series from the Dodgers. Um, maybe this was a letdown series against the Nationals. But big picture, as you point out, you know, so uh, just a game over um, 500 in, you know, 12 and 11 in the last 23, that this is a lineup that, uh, you know, they had a few breakout games against the Phillies there, but they they haven't, you know, they lately haven't been the same as they were, let's say, earlier in the season. And if you look at the Mets lineup, would you do anything else with the batting order? Uh, what one of my uh, followers on Twitter wanted to know is Jeff McNeil, they've been, Buck has been consistently batting after the DH um, mm-hmm. in that sixth spot. And... On the one hand, you can say it lengthens the lineup. On the other hand, would you bump, you know, McNeil is one of the rare guys that has been. It's like every time you look up every day, it seems like he's getting a hit or two. Um, would you, a uh, hit or two or three, would you, batting three, uh, 320, would you put McNeil higher up in this lineup? Yeah, I mean, listen, something is kind of going on because I was, I was just crunching some numbers beforehand. Before that August 10th date, for the majority of the season, the Mets were near the top in just about every category. They were scoring almost nearly five runs a game. They were hitting 260 as a team. They had like a 745 OPS. And in that span that I just told you, in that 12 and 11 span, you know, they're down to about three and a half runs a game. You know, they're hitting 235, and they got an OPS of about 685. So there's a difference of what's happening. With the McNeil thing, yeah, I mean, he's been <laughs> their best hitter you know, to, to this point lately with the run that he's been on. But I think the, the problem here and the spot you would look at most likely would kind of know people have talked about either like hitting him third and maybe moving Lindor on the other side of, say, um, uh, you can move him on the other side of Pete even. And right, right, that, right. That's what I mean. Push put the him DH on, down. Right, right. You could move. But the thing that I was talking about this with somebody the other day I, I really think Buck is hesitant to move Lindor. Um, I, I just think that, you know, he's kept him there the whole year. The team had played well with him there. I know things change, but like I mentioned before about how Lindor is, you know, it's not a sensitivity that he lets derail him, but I, I just think Buck is really hesitant to move him uh, for reasons just even, you know, that go beyond just the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just think he's wondering what the impact might have on him uh, mentally. Maybe it's nothing, but I, I do think there is an element to that. And managers and even front offices with as much as they're tied into the numbers, you know, when you have when you know, have to know the personality of the players, uh, I think that they're hesitant to move Lindor. I don't know that for a fact that Lindor has said anything, you know, not to move him or even if for a fact that he would be bothered by it. But I, I have a sense uh, that he's hesitant, you know, to move him for the player that he is and, and, you know, his stature, his stature on the team. But, you know, listen, if the offense, there is an acknowledgement here that the offense isn't going great. And when that happens, 
you know, what other spots can you really move around? You know, I mean, is there a lot you can do with the bottom half of the lineup? Not really. I mean, those, those hitters are what they are, you know. So I, I think when you say McNeil is really the only piece that you would consider to move higher up, you know, to get an impact bat up there. I mean, Marte has been great, yep. you know, and Nimmo has the speed you would like at the top of the lineup too. And maybe you can get more movement with a guy that's, you know, hitting with a higher average, with a higher OPS to Lindor at the moment, you know, over this stretch. So uh, I think that's the spot you'd have to look at. I'm not sure that Buck is ready to do that yet, but I don't think they should rule it out, you know, if, if this continues over the next couple of days. We're talking about one game. I mean, they could, you know, their division lead could be over uh, before you know it. So they're coming to a time where they, they might have to look at some things uh, and, and move around. But I think they're probably going to give it a couple more days. And since they're playing Pittsburgh, um, you know, I think that'll give them a chance. Lindor also is a switch hitter, obviously. So, I mean, that, that's something else that, mm-hmm. that, that factors into this with the flexibility. So I, I think that's, I, I know everybody's looking at McNeil, but I, I don't think that's something they're going to try quite, quite yet. Last one before I let you go is, so we've been talking about the Mets lineup and what can be done to try and, you know, invigorate uh, the Mets lineup. For the Yankees, with Benintendi, Andrew Benintendi now um, injured and on the IL, um, obviously they're, they're kind of a, a one-man offense, and that one man is the MVP in, in Aaron Judge, who just remarkably, I mean, today's game in microcosm, the Yankees had six hits. Judge had three, including a home run, and then he manufactured a run with a double, uh, took third on a ground ball, and scored in a sacrifice fly. Um, it reminded me of a Reyes run. You know, <laughs> right, <laughs> so right, he's exactly. doing it with his legs. He's doing it with his uh, with his power, um, and those are the only two runs they got. So the question, if you're the Yankees and Aaron Boone, is with Benintendi, you know, not in there. Is there what would you be doing? Where would you hit Aaron Judge? Would you just would you no Ben Intendi as a leadoff hitter? Would you keep they you know they batted him at leadoff today just to get him as many at bats as possible? Or is there some other way to um, to construct this lineup uh, that you know? Where, what would you do? I, I mean, it's a it's a tough call to figure this out. I mean, you know, now Hicks is going to have to wind up playing more obviously. You know, with with Ben Intendi out. Um, you know, they had a little bit of a spark with Cabrera at some point, which has kind of dried up uh, to this degree. I mean, they were hoping that maybe Peraza could add a little bit of a spark, but you're seeing a team that was kind of grasping at straws, you know, by calling up these players and trying to get them involved just because the guys up here weren't, weren't getting it done. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not crazy about Judge leading off. Mm-hmm. I, I know he's responded to it every time he's been asked to do it. Um where, where would you bat him? Would you bat him second? Yeah, I think second would be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, if, I mean, because you don't really, you know, I'd, I'd love to move him even further down to third if you could get guys on in front of him, you know, but there's just, he's an island right now. Yeah. You know, there's no way you can put him to get him protected uh, with the guys underperforming like they are. So it's just, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, almost an impossible question to answer because there is, there is nothing else happening. Uh, in the lineup right now. I mean, if there was any question about whether he should be the MVP of this team, (laughs) MVP of the league, I should say, I think he's answered it, you know, by supplying, you know, every bit of offense they can muster at this point and hitting a home run every other game. So, 
Yeah, that, that's a tough one, Laurie. I, I, I sympathize with Boone in that regard uh, because aside from spinning a wheel uh, and trying to figure out, I mean, everybody that they've had, you know, that was performing in, in the first half when they were building up this great record and building up this lead, you know, has, has vanished. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, whether, whether they've been banged up, you know, Stanton has come back and been ineffective. Uh, you know, they were hoping Matt Carpenter, type, not there. Yeah, I mean, Car- Carpenter's yeah. gone, of course. Yeah. I mean, who knew? Who right. knew that Carpenter was going to be the the glue <laughs> that was holding this team together? <laughs> but I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I, it's, it's a pretty. They're, they're in a pretty tough spot here. I guess if you want to look at one bright spot, maybe the Twins are coming into town, which the Yankees always seem to seem to be able to handle. But I think the Twins just moved into first place tie this week just today mm-hmm. with the guardians. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series and an interesting, yeah, interesting last, finish. Last 24 games. Um, it was 23 games coming into t- today. Yankees only scored two runs, but the Yankees um, it's the worst offensive stretch of, of that length um, since 1968. When you look at runs scored uh, per game and batting average uh, per game, it's, I mean, be- that's before what they're today, on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think before today they had lost like 31 out of 49 games or something. Yeah, ni- I mean, that's, that, ni- that's, 19, 19 and 31 in the last 50. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'd love to come on and give you some <laughs> rational explanations why something like that happens. But it, it's really, it, it's tough. I mean, I, again, I sympathize with Boone because we're in there after every game asking him the same questions. And clearly... You know, this is a team that doesn't have answers at the moment. So regardless of what he says, uh, you know, today was a little bit of a life jacket, you know, that Judge threw to the team. And if not for maybe getting a little call there at the end on that Clay Holmes yeah. 102 mile hour yep. fastball. Yep. I mean, who, who like, knows? Yeah. I mean, who knows what happens there? So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're holding on for dear life. <laughs> you know, there, there is no way to, to be calm about this for them at this point. It's just kind of it's just a kind of fight for their life every game now, and uh, you know it's going to be fascinating to see how it uh, to see how it wraps up. Yeah, it was a must win. They did get that one, but uh, but certainly nothing that I think would inspire a ton of confidence um, for for most Yankee fans. Uh, Dave Lennon does a great job covering New York baseball for Newsday. Uh, appreciate the time. Catch up with us soon. My pleasure, Lori. Anytime. Take care. All right. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.